The second chapter of the book of Luke is a familiar Christmas reading. And I'll use the second chapter tonight uh, as a text, although I'll not read it again. So if you want to just turn to that second chapter, I'll make reference to a verse or two in it as we move along. If you had one word to select to describe the most accurately the atmosphere of Christmas, what would that word be? For me, it would be the word emotional because we all get emotional at Christmas time. Perhaps more than any other time of the year, our emotions come forward or come to the top at Christmas. Stirred in special ways are these emotions. Maybe it's the incomparable grandeur of the Christmas story that never gets old. See it on television over and over again, and it's just as thrilling as the first time you, you saw it. The tinsel of the Christmas tree, the lights, the um, kaleidoscope of colors. I was just saying to uh, Daryl a while ago, it'd be wonderful if we could have colors of flowers like this the year round. The excitement that is in the eyes of our children. All of these ingredients combine to make Christmas the most emotional time of the year. What I want to talk about tonight in this kind of a Vespers type service uh, is the emotion or the emotions of Christmas. One of the most common emotions of Christmas, I suppose, is wonder. W-O-N-D-E-R. They say wander down at wander down in North Knox County, but you, you understand the, the, the word wander. Luke attempts to describe the, the emotions that bubbled up to the surface in the characters of that first Christmas drama. With a quick, quick brush, he paints this marvelous picture in the second chapter of Luke of a baby being born of a sky being filled with angels and of shepherds kneeling in amazement, stunned at what they're hearing in the heavens. And then in verse 17 of chapter 2, he says, And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. It's no wonder they wondered, for their silent night had been split with the glorious presence of God, and the world of man had been invaded by the Word of God, and all the hopes of all the ages had been fulfilled in that one spectacular night, yet it happened so differently from what they expected, that there is this display of devotion that brings a sense of wonder to us all. When we think, for instance, of the love of Mary and Joseph, we wonder. Now it's easy for us to miss the dimension of the love these two people had. It was the love, the ordinary love of a woman for a man and a man for a woman, but the experiences of that first Christmas presented their love with an awesome challenge. Their marriage, you see, had not been consummated when Mary conceived her son. 
Now this is not uncommon for our day, but for two pious Hebrews in the first century, this was a crisis of unbelievable magnitude. Imagine the questions and the doubts and the misgivings and the confusion that engulfed both of them, especially Joseph. It would have been the natural thing for him just to ditch her, forget her, because there was one thing he knew for certain, and it was that that baby she was carrying was not his. But because of his love for Mary, he turned his back on the wagging tongues of that community, on the gossip, and he swallowed his pride and he accepted the incredible announcement of the angel, Joseph, fear not to take thee for Mary for wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. When we think of his love, we wonder. When we think of the love of Mary for her son, we wonder. And so in verse 19 it says, But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And we get a glimpse right at the very beginning of this amazing thing that was happening, how this love was going to be challenged, Mary's love. Before her son was ten days old, shepherds had come claiming they'd been told of his coming by angels from God. Wise men worshiping her son as a newborn king. Two old saints, Simeon and Anna, told Mary they could die in peace because in the face of, their, of her son, they saw the hopes and fears of all the years. At the age of 12, her son was already a match for the scholars of Israel. By the time he was 30, he was the most popular figure in history. By the age of 33, he was crucified as a thief on a cross between thieves. And she was there to watch him suspended between earth and sky, left to die in the scorching sun. What an incredible strain was put on that mother's love. Yet through it all, from the spectacular beginning to the uncertain days of his ministry, to the crushing cross, to the final victory, Mary loved her son and never gave up on him. When we think of a love of God for us, we wonder. Even greater than Joseph's love for his wife, greater than Mary's love for her son, is the love God had for us when He sent His only begotten Son. This is the wonder of it all, which George Bev Shea sings. There's a wonder of sunset at evening. The wonder of sunrise I see, but the wonder of wonders that thrills my soul is the wonder that God loves me. We've become so accustomed to the Christmas story so dull to its incredible message. But if we, as we penetrate the shell of indifference today with a shattering reality of God's love for us, Mary's love for her son, Joseph's love for his wife, as we catch again the full panorama of splendor which this Christmas story presents, the emotion of wonder will come bubbling to the surface again. A second emotion of Christmas is love. 
Now Matthew in his gospel tells of, of a happening at the birth of Jesus that Luke omits. It is the visit of the Magi, the wise men, bearing gifts for the newborn king. And they brought these gifts to express their love for this newborn king, and the gifts were given as an expression of that love. There is no other season of the year when we feel warmer toward our fellow man, when we are more kind in our relationships, when we are more sympathetic toward others' needs, when we are more expressive of our love than at Christmas. Sometimes our love is not received in the same spirit as it is given. I heard about a preacher who passed a kind of a scuzzy looking character standing by a cigar store. Moved by the emotion, the love of Christmas, the tenderness of Christmas, he pressed a $2 bill in the old scuzzy bum's hand and said by way of comfort, don't despair. The next day he saw the old man. The old man stopped him, gave him $16. What's this for? The preacher demanded. The man answered, don't despair. One-fourth at Woodbine and placed eight to one. Sometime our love, though often misunderstood, is nevertheless an inevitable part of the Christmas season. And I'm glad. Because if there is anything the world needs, it's love. Love might not make the world go round, but it makes the ride worthwhile. And we need more of it. A long time ago, Dwight L. Moody said, I tell you, there is one thing that draws above everything else in the world, and that's love. More recently, Carl Menninger, the preeminent psychiatrist, has said, Love is the medicine for the sickness of the world. There is one, that is one of the reasons that Christmas is so special. It calls forth from all of us that love which helps make life easier to bear. The third emotion of Christmas is joy. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. How vividly that song expresses our emotions at Christmas time. I'm not talking about the artificial happiness which is produced by the bubbly stuff. I'm talking about the joy that is rooted in a living personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Joy, Mary felt joy over Jesus. I've already alluded to her wonder. I've already mentioned her love. But pervading everything was a deep sense of joy which came from her awareness of the part God was allowing her to play in the redemption of the world. This joy was expressed in her song recorded in Luke 1. Listen to it. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in the God of my, my Savior, for he has regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. The angels felt joy over Jesus. We bring you good tidings of great joy, they said. Why? 
because the one whose birth they heralded was to become the Savior of the world. Simeon and Anna in the temple felt joy over Jesus. Why? Because of the hope which the promised child brought to them in the midst of their problems. When we realize again the significance of what happened on that special night long ago, we too should feel joy. To realize that God loves you enough to come all the way to where you are, that brings joy. To realize that God loves you enough to become what you are in order that you might become what He is, that brings joy. To realize that this Jesus whose birth we celebrate today is one who can meet every need and provide solutions for every problem and satisfy every longing in our soul. And that brings joy. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. There was one final emotion, and that is the emotion of sadness. Now this is not a contradiction of what I've just said, but a recognition of the fact that in the midst of all the joy, there are some who find Christmas a thoroughly depressing time. Psychologists say that for many people, Christmas is the most depressing time of the year. They call it the holiday paradox. Christmas brings not joy, but sadness to many people. Sometimes the sadness comes because of the demands of the season. The pressure to get gifts for everyone. The hectic pace of the activities. The universal expectation of jolliness. Some people cannot handle all the pressure. And instead of joy, they feel sadness. To others, the sadness comes because they recognize more clearly than at other times the emptiness within. They see another year completed, yet no more has been accomplished. Christmas then, with all of its revelry, becomes one last opportunity to fill that emptiness. But after the gifts have been opened, the Christmas tree taken down, and the joyous sounds of Christmas have faded into silence, they discover that the emptiness is still there. Most often, the sadness of Christ Christmas is caused by the awareness that the future will never be exactly like the past. For many, this will be the first Christmas without a loved one who was lost during this past year. And because the Christmas season emphasizes these separations, a certain degree of sadness is caused. Some of this sadness is inevitable. However, a rediscovery of the true meaning of Christmas will dispel much of it. For if Christmas means anything, it means hope and fulfillment and peace. Peace which comes not by marching to the drumbeat of the world, but which comes by, by marching to the drumbeat of the King of Kings. Fulfillment which is found not in the delicacies on the world's table, but which, if, which is found in the one who is the bread of life. And hope 
which is found not in the denial of death, but in the realization that not even death can eternally separate us from those we love in Christ Jesus. And so we need the stirring of our emotions that the celebration of Christmas provides. And we need another opportunity for the people all over this nation to look again at Jesus Christ, the one who came to be the Savior of the world. Let's pray. Our Father, our hearts are filled tonight with wonder and love and joy. And we feel some sadness as we realize there are many who have never come to know Him and never will. And we pray that You'll grant us a new commitment to announce the good news to the world. Joy, Emmanuel is with us. For it's in the name of Jesus, born 2,000 years ago, alive today, we pray. Amen. Good night. May God give you and your family a blessed Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody.